0: Welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, 5 Minute Food Fact Series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for wellbeing. I decided to do this series because there is so much conflicting information available about food and various diets. Some of it is credible and some of it is not. It can be time consuming, not to mention confusing, to try and sift through the noise and get to the heart of the matter. In this series, I will do all of that for you and present factual, reliable information to you in a concise and easy-to-understand way. The content of my 5-Minute Food Facts series is for information purposes only and it is not a substitute for advice from your own health professional. Today, I am going to talk about protein and this will be the first of a four-part series all about protein. The four episode topics will be a protein overview what it is and why we need to eat it then i'll look at protein intake and athletes and then protein and plant-based diets and finally i'll talk about protein and people over 40 and the role of protein in healing from injury and trauma first of all let me explain in simple terms what protein is proteins are made up of chains of amino acids They are organic compounds linked by peptide bonds. So each protein comprises a sequence of amino acids arranged in a particular way, giving rise to a distinct structure, size and shape, and that determines its function. There are 20 amino acids, nine of which are considered essential. This means that we need to consume them in our diets because the body cannot synthesize them. However, the body can synthesize the other 11 amino acids, and I'll put a link of the essential amino acids in the show notes in case you are interested. Chemically speaking, proteins are made up of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen. Nitrogen is the special player here because carbohydrates and lipids, or fats, both contain carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen too, but not nitrogen. So what do proteins do in our body? All the cells in our body contain protein. Half the total protein in our body comprises of the following four proteins. Collagen, which is the most abundant protein in the body, and that is the structural part of skin, bones, ligaments, and tendons. Hemoglobin, and that's the protein that carries oxygen from the lungs to the body tissues, And myosin and actin, they are found in muscles and are responsible for muscle contractions, in other words, movement. Protein has numerous functions in the body and some of them are structural, as I mentioned with collagen, protective, they're the building blocks of our immune system, they help form antibodies that protect us against and fight infection, communication, hormones are proteins And they are essentially messengers between cells, for example, insulin. And also proteins are enzymes that aid the thousands of biochemical reactions that take place in your body, like the metabolism process. When we eat protein, the body breaks it down into its constituent amino acids and small peptides. And from then, the body then makes its own or synthesizes proteins, the ones it needs. Therefore, proteins in the body are in a dynamic state. They're constantly turning over in a cycle of synthesis and degradation. Proteins have various half-lives, which means that the proteins in our bodies themselves are turned over at different rates. Collagen, for example, has a half-life of 300 days, whereas some proteins have a half-life of only one hour. The body synthesizes about 200 to 300 grams of protein every day. In adults, the rate of synthesis and degradation are similar, so the amount of protein remains more or less consistent over time, and this state is known as nitrogen balance. In children and pregnant women, protein synthesis exceeds protein degradation, and that's how growth occurs. Protein turnover accounts for about 15 to 20% of our basal metabolic rate, and that refers to the amount of energy required to keep your body functioning at rest, so things like breathing, digesting food and circulation. The instructions or recipe for making proteins is contained in our DNA in the nucleus of every cell in our body. When a cell makes a protein, we say that the gene for that protein has been expressed Diet can influence gene expression and disease development. This is a really fascinating and growing area of science known as epigenetics. In a nutshell, epigenetics looks at how environmental factors like diet can switch genes on and off. I'll put a link in the show notes to a short YouTube clip that illustrates how epigenetics, at least in mice, works. It's really fascinating. You may have heard people talk about protein quality or its biological value this refers to its amino acid composition and digestibility which means the amount that can be absorbed from a given intake so 90 to 99 percent of animal protein like meat is absorbed whereas between 70 to 90 percent of the protein in plant food is absorbed A high-quality protein refers to a dietary protein containing all the essential amino acids in relatively the same amount as humans require them, like animal foods. It is not a moral descriptor. Scientists have tried to come up with ways to classify or measure protein value, and one way is called the Protein Digestibility Corrected Amino Acid Score, the PDCAAS This is not perfect, but it has been widely adopted, for example, by the World Health Organization. The PDCAAS is based on the amount of essential amino acids in a food and what our bodies can use. The highest score of food can be ranked on that scale is 1. And foods with a value of 1 include eggs, cow's milk and whey. Beef, for example, has a value of 091 Wheat 0.42 and wheat gluten 0.25. And as you may know, plant proteins tend to lack one or more of the essential amino acids. But that does not mean that you can't get all the essential amino acids you need from a well-planned plant-based diet. Because if you combine various sources, for example, like legumes and grains, between them you'll have all the amino acids covered. I'll talk to this in more detail in the third episode in this protein series. And next I'll cover how much protein we need. As with most things in nutrition, it's not black and white. According to the National Health and Medical Research Council, the recommended dietary intake for men ages 19 to 70 is 0.84 grams per kilogram of body weight and for women it's 0.75 grams per kilogramme. So for example, a 60 kilogram woman should eat around about 45 grams of protein per day. The amount is greater for children, adolescents, pregnant and lactating women due to the growth requirements. It also goes up for elderly people, and I'll speak to that in the fourth episode of this series and for athletes, which I'll speak about in episode two. When you eat food, how much protein you consume obviously depends on the quantity of the food you eat and the quality of that protein. A 200 gram steak, for example, does not contain 200 grams of protein. A 100 gram skirt steak contains 28.7 grams of protein and therefore 200 grams would contain 57.4 grams. Other examples are 100 grams of lean chicken breast contains 32.1 grams of protein. 100 grams of firm tofu contains 17.3 grams. And one large egg contains about 6.3 grams. Most Australians consume more protein than they actually need. So deficiency is rarely a problem in this country. The mean protein intakes are 79 grams per day for women and 107 grams per day for men. Having said that, protein deficiency can have a profound impact on health. When one essential amino acid is inadequate, protein synthesis is impaired across the board. And that's the reason why it's really important for vegans to eat a large variety of plant based proteins to make sure they consume all the essential amino acids. Protein energy malnutrition, PEM, is predominantly a problem in undernourished children. According to the FAO, that's the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, PEM causes the death of 6 million children every year. There are two main types of PEM, marasmus, the chronic form, and or the acute form, resulting from an abrupt alteration in food supply, so for example, a famine. In both cases, the immune system, which relies on protein, is compromised. On the flip side, excess protein can also impact your health. It can have consequences like disordered bone and calcium homeostasis. It is hard to say exactly how much would constitute excess protein, It may be in excess of 2 grams per kilogram per day. However, this wouldn't apply for athletes or pregnant women. So there's no hard and fast rule here. To wrap up, protein is a really important macronutrient. The best and healthiest way to eat protein is to spread it out over the day. And this has been shown to help with metabolism and to help with appetite control. It's also important to include a variety of protein sources within a well-balanced and varied, varied diet. That way you can ensure you're consuming all the essential amino acids that your body needs. So that's my general overview of protein. Thank you for listening. If you would like to subscribe to my podcast, Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast app, there are so many out there these days, but some of them are iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcast. You can also follow the podcast on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. Also, if you would like to contact me, You can send me a message via the contacts page on my website and please do feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and I will do my best to deliver that to you. Finally, if you like my podcast, please tell your friends about it and if you could take a minute to leave a ratings on iTunes, I'd really appreciate that. That helps improve the visibility of the podcast and it will also inspire me to keep researching for this 5-Minute Food fact series. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.